When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Saturday Night Shoggy. I am your host for tonight, V-Lord GTZ. And with me today, I have my usual co-host, Sakaki. Yo, it's a good night for Shoggy. It definitely is indeed. And with us today, we have a guest, our good friend, my sibling, Lum Ramayasha. Hello, darlings. I am back from the dead. <laughs> like a zombie, I have risen from my slumber in order to interact with you again and pick your brains. Well, uh, dang, you definitely uh, are sounding like a zombie there. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? I've been bitten by the zombug. Mm-hmm. I, I think we... Uh might have all been bitten by the zombug in some way or another. Yeah, we all got aboard the zom train. Dude. So we didn't literally get on board the zom train. We saw it pass by us. Yes, we yeah. did. Yeah, we 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 could have we could have just abandoned our plans for AX and gotten on the zom train instead, but that felt like counterproductive. Yeah, <laughs> un- unfortunately. But yeah, Today we're here to talk about all the shoggy goodness that happened at Anime Expo, which happens to be quite a bit because of the upcoming premiere of the ZOM 100 anime, as well as the appearance of a certain co-creator and artist of the ZOM 100 manga, Kotaro Takata. So it was kind of a, a kind of a big weekend for ZOM, so to say. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a Zombaluya. <laughs> Zombaluya? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zombarie. There we go. I like, I like that one a lot. It's the Zomer of uh, Zomer of Zom. So. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but uh, okay. Zomer, summer, it's a pun. Zomer <laughs> and summer. Um, Come on, V-Lord, you could do this. Well, okay then. <laughs> Keep up with us. But before we kind of get into the deep meat of things, there were some other shoggy things that happened before Zom at Anime Expo. And I wanted to highlight the first one here, which was a new license from Denpa. They licensed Holiday Junction by Shinzo Keigo, as Sakaki had told us before on mic, or before we were on mic. Uh, Shinzo Keigo has done a number of series with Shogakukan in the past. Uh, Holiday Junction specifically was published in Big Comic Spirits, and they're currently doing a manga called Hiryasumi, 
which is published also in Big Comic Experience. Sakaki, as the shoggy expert among us, do you have anything else to say on this matter? I haven't read Holiday Junction, obviously, but I'm pretty familiar with Hiro Yasumi, and it's selling super well. I mean, it's ranked third on the best manga of 2002, Konomango Yome. They're by Freestyle, ranking by Freestyle Magazine. It won the Tokyo News Services TV Bros Comic Bros Award for 2021. It was nominated for 15th Manga Taisho and placed third and ranked sixth on the Publisher Comics Recommended Comics of 2022. Um, yeah, it's received a lot of positive comments from manga artists, including Inio Asano, who we all know is for um, Pun Pun and other series. Masakazu Ishiguro, who's known for Heavenly Delusion? Yeah. Yep. Heavenly Delusion. Um, Tayo Matsumoto and Yamawayama. And also the Asagaya sisters, who also praised uh, another Shogakukan manga. This one is sun- shonen- weekly shown on Sunday. Uh, um, Mi- Shiroyama and Mita-san. So, like, it's it's got quite the... Um, it's got quite the... Uh, what's the word I want to use here? reputation i guess for lack of better term. so keijo i has other keigo keigo sinzo stuff been published in english before as far as i know they have not they are seem to have a uh, cult following among certain people because of scanlations that are out there but uh none of their stuff has been officially licensed unfortunately so this is a nice get for dempa okay yeah I mean, looking for hopefully maybe we'll get Hiro Yasumi. I mean, with all of this positive press around it, I'm kind of surprised we haven't already. But I mean, this is a good way to test the waters. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And I think like it, uh, we might see Hiro Yasumi down the line, especially if it might get an anime in the future. Only uh, time will tell. Very true. But moving on from that, Sakaki, you went to quite a few of the Shogakukan related events at Anime Expo. So much so that on one day of the event, you basically were just by yourself going to these, like, panels. Yes. So, yeah, r- run us through this Shogakukan journey that you went on. So, yes, um, basically, I went to go see the premiere of the Tonikaku Kawaii, um, or Tonikawa. I know how much you love that name. The best <laughs> name. <laughs> I went to go see the Tonikan premiere of the OVA, because the uh, season two recently finished on, you know, airing watched on Crunchyroll. Um and now they're continuing the series in this in a four episode OVA, which we've got to see two episodes of it during Anime Expo. And it's called um Tonikawa High School Days. I I believe the Japanese name for it is straight up just high school girl. Um but definitely I, I think Crunchyroll did a good made a good choice by changing it. But essentially, it's just um, more of more cuteness. Um, NASA takes on the job of um, teaching a high teaching programming at a high school for girls, and um, yeah, I mean, pretty much it's just the hijinks of that. The first two episodes featured an opening plan by Sayori Hayami, super popular, and very very many characters, including Yamato from One Piece and Yor in Spy Family. Um, and the ending is Akari Kito. Uh, I forgot what it's called, but like, yeah, both songs were pretty cute. Like, I it definitely feels different because usually uh, we've had Akari Kito do the openings, mm-hmm. um, but now she's regaled the ending. And I don't know if Hayori, uh, if uh, Hayamin, as she's popularly called, is 
if she has a role in this. I mean, there are definitely a lot of more female characters in this. Um, obviously, with it being a high school girl, uh, a female high school that's at the center of it. But um, I don't recall that she was any of the characters. Like this arc also um, premiered the feature, uh, featured Kaguya, um, which was like very central to the premise of the series. But she's voiced by um, I think Sakura Ayane or Ochako in My Hero Academia. So it's interesting that it for at least right now it doesn't seem as if um, uh, Hayamin is at all going to be is voicing anybody. Which I guess isn't. I guess it isn't strange that I mean sometimes they do just have an artist. Uh, they want to promote somebody, so they put them on the show even if they're not actually in it. It's not that. It's not that frequent though. But anyway, um, yeah, the two episodes were they covered stuff from. I was actually trying to look for it while we were talking, but I. But it looks like they covered stuff from around volume eleven. Okay, I found it. Volumes eleven to thirteen, starting with chapter one hundred eight. And the last episode adapted in these two episodes was 123. So this is less like a special and more just them trying to find a way to adapt more of the manga without, I guess, waiting for a season three. So you, you don't have to feel like, oh, man, they're skipping ahead a lot. They're they're pretty much just continuing. With it. And, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Kaku just continues maybe just putting out OVAs every so often, rather, and maybe a season three might come at some point. But yeah, I mean, there was a pretty good attendance. Like a lot of people were, I mean, it was pretty muted. It's Tony Kakakawaii, not necessarily anything to cheer about, but there were a couple of laughs here or there. So that was kind of nice. Um, yeah. Um, and that was the first thing I went to go see on Saturday. Um, the other thing I went, I mean, this isn't really Shogakukan related, Went back to see Link Click, season two, when I haven't seen season one. Uh, our our um our friend Jekka has seen season one and she recommended it, so I figured I'll go give it a shot. And what was great about that was like, so they called the voice actors for the show for the dub to be there. Also, the director was there as well, and he had a few words about it. I mean, he essentially was pretty coy about when asked what to expect. He was pretty coy about it and just said, no spoilers, just go into it blind and enjoy it. But yeah, they called up the voice actors and it turns out I was sitting right in front of Zeno Robinson. Yeah, which I mean, that is a shoggy tie in because Zeno <laughs> Robinson is Akira in Psalm 100. Exactly. So I got to see him. So I got to see him and, you know, during the Zom panel, which we'll talk about a little bit. But yeah, I wasn't. It's funny because they came in behind me because from from what I could gather from their conversation, it sounded like what happened was that they had asked them to just come to the panel without really saying why. So he was back. To, he just came to watch the show and then they just randomly called him up front. And it was only when I saw him walk from up to the stage that I realized he was sitting behind me the whole time. So... Unfortunately, like the lights were dimmed and he was enjoying the show. So I didn't, I wanted to ask for a picture, but I didn't get a chance to. And then at the end, they called them back up to the stage. And he, I assume maybe he went backstage to talk to the director. And so I didn't see him again. So yeah, missed my chance to get a picture. Missed my chance to get like extra boyfriend points for Jekka too. But at least I got to show her him her message. So, and that made him really happy that somebody heard of him 
um, outside of anime because what she mentioned was actually amphibious. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, she, you know, she was really happy that I read his message to her and was happy to see. So if you're listening, Zeno, thank you. You actually, you, you got me off the couch. <laughs> uh, um, besides that, uh, besides that, as far as Shokaku-kan things go, I also watched the Odd Taxi movie, which yeah. is tangentially um, Shokaku-kan related because it runs in the Dalpana, Dalrupana. Right, the manga adaptation? Yeah, the manga adaptation runs in the Dalpana um, um, website, which... Sogakukan advertises his stories filled with despair. <laughs> like I, I, I still don't quite understand who would want something like that, but they, they made the site and I mean Odd Taxi runs there, so right now they're currently running a Odd Taxi. So it's weird. It's kind of like a spin-off, but it's also a prequel. But it also takes a f- place it takes place during the series from another character's points of view. And these characters sort of appeared in the anime very briefly. But um, this time, this new, the new manga, Odd Taxi, Root of Odd Taxi, takes place from Reina and uh, I'm forgetting another character's point of view. And they're basically running a detective agency. And they are charged to kind of investigate what's going on. And during their investigate something else, uh, so investigate something unrelated to Otokawa, but they end up running into him. And so getting involved in the plot of Odd Taxi. So, but the movie itself basically is a recap of the TV anime, except with, um, except this time now, it's kind of like a documentary kind of thing where like, it's somebody who's investigating the events of the movie, uh, events of the series while asking the characters what their impressions were of it. So it's it's like, they found a way to make a, a compilation movie interesting. Oh, man, of course, the last five minutes, the last, I want to, not five minutes, the last maybe ten minutes or so is new content. Um, where they, where the TV series kind of ends kind of open-endedly, this kind of closes that loop completely. And it was really cool because, like, that one wasn't, was a bit more sparse. But um, the people that were there were really kind of involved with the plot. I remember one person was just kind of like... I mean, if you've seen Odd Taxi, you'll know what this is. But, like, one person's like, Otokawa has no time for hoes. So so when, like, uh, Shirakawa was trying to hit on him. So, like, and then when the, the... the last part at the end of the movie where you know the the closed loop was closed when the loop was closed in a lot of people were cheering i don't want to ruin anything but i mean and i think the movie is streaming on crunchyroll now um so you should definitely give it a watch i mean it's not probably required viewing because again it is a huge recap but it's i think it's worth watching again just because i think they did find a novel way by having the characters be interviewed by a mysterious reporter they found a novel way to recap the movie without it just being completely like, well, what's the point of this? I could just watch the TV. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as Shokaku-kan stuff, besides the announcement and watching Tonikaku and Odd Taxi, I had a pretty, pretty full day. Like, and thanks to our, thanks to V-Lord, I got to hand out the weekly Shokaku-kan edition card to many people. So maybe we're going to start moving on up. Mm-hmm. You're you're making many moves in the manga world. Yeah. But yeah, I guess uh, let's not cut to the chase here. Let's get into some ZOM 100 goodness. And I want to first start off by talking about something I got to do, actually, 
which was interview Eiji Akaso, the lead actor in the ZOM 100 Bucket List of the, of the Dead live-action film that's coming to Netflix in August. So Akaso plays Akira in the film, and I think a lot of people might be familiar with Eiji Akaso because he was one of the leads in Kamen Rider Build. So Netflix actually sent me the movie ahead of time to kind of watch it, and uh, yeah, we, we all kind of watch it together, and we're, we're going to like discuss that in a future recording, of course, so we're not going to get into the weeds with that here. But the interview was like a really cool opportunity. What was uh, really surprising is that it was actually a one-on-one interview. It was just me and him talking for 10 minutes. Uh, and it, it was like kind of cool just kind of hearing his perspective on Zom. Like he got into it through like his brother. He even met Haru Asa at one point And like he confirmed that like Asa was a zombie in the live action movie. He didn't even confirm which zombie, did he? No, there's too many zombies. I mean, I guess it makes sense, though. Also, probably wants to... Probably. <laughs> I, at first, when he said it, I was like, wait, what? Also, was a zombie? Did I mishear that? But, uh... Nah, he, he was a zombie. They met, like, on set, and then a few hours later, he was a zombie. Wow, yeah. I read through the interview, and just hearing that he went... He went through the whole effort of putting the makeup and everything on. So, like... Yeah, I, I would love to see if somebody watches the movie and can point them out. Maybe some Japanese person will. Yeah, no, it'd be uh, definitely be very interesting if we could do a spot also in the uh, ZOM 100 film. Now I kind of wonder how long he was in the movie. Or was he just like, because, you know, obviously there are zombies in the, in like the background of the movie or whatever. So was he just moving along with those zombies? Was he just kind of like his appearance just like out there completely? You could see him, and but it was only for five minutes or something. I feel like you could probably only see him for a few seconds, if anything. Yeah, he's probably in like one of like the many, many hordes. Because spoilers, if this is a zombie movie, there's tons of zombie hordes. Who would have guessed? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it was honestly a really cool experience. Um, it was also professionally our first time working with the crew at Netflix, they're very good people. And uh, yeah, I definitely hope we can uh, do more with them in the future, especially with uh, Pluto coming up in like the uh, coming months. Speaking of which, actually, I, I kind of forgot about this in our prep, but Lum, Lum, <laughs> I think Lum fell asleep, audience. <laughs> re- they returned to the land of the dead. Oh, they're back. <laughs> They've revived. <laughs> Lum, are are you, like, asleep? Awake? What are you talking about? Of course I'm awake. You weren't responding. Responding to what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You fell asleep for, like, a few minutes, I think. Okay. You're back now with us. So, you did go to the Pluto panel, right? Well, I did go, yes, to the Netflix panel. That did indeed feature... A segment on Pluto and was also featuring the director of the upcoming Pluto anime. We got to see a new trailer for the series. Got some confirmation on the format. It turns out that Pluto will be released as eight hour long episodes. That's right. It's going to be basically an episode per volume. They're really giving it the time it needs. And yeah, hour long episodes. That's pretty rare in the realm of animation. 
I think that, well, the last regular series I watched that had like hour-long episodes or almost that length was AMC's short-lived uh, Pantheon. But, you know, it's just really rare. So that's, that's surprising. I mean, they've been working on this Pluto project for a decade. So, you know, they have really invested a lot of time, a lot of effort into this. And I think that's going to really show. As for, like, the preview we got of the trailer, like, it looked really good. I think that they've done a great job translating Urasawa's style to live action. And I think that it is just really uh, interesting to kind of have Pluto come out now as an anime considering the cultural climate we're in is just so different from when it was back in, you know, when this series was first being serialized, as well as back, you know, when the greatest robot on Earth storyline in Astro Boy was published. So I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the anime kind of adapts itself to the current time we live in, in terms and in terms of adapting also its political commentary, in the same way that the original Pluto was very specific for that point of time in the t early two thousands that it came out. Now, yeah, I really, really uh, enjoyed you know getting to see that snippet of a preview. I wish that we had gotten some. Of that, uh, you know, press access to review copies and the opportunity to interview Masao Mariyama and stuff like that. But, you know, um, yeah, so I think that I'm very excited for the Pluto anime that's coming up. And I think that they really get what the team is from, like, the discussion on stage in terms of, like, kind of the optimistic pacifistic kind of like philosophy there that is espoused and i think that is going to be captured hmm, yeah i uh i think that the new adaptation looks amazing uh kate sanchez from but why though actually got to interview masao mariyama and like even just reading through like the quotes from mariyama from her interview it kind of definitely looks like they are taking a very faithful approach to adapting the manga. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of also is represented in the scale of the show, those 60-minute episodes, and really kind of like trying to capture the feel of the manga in a way that will be kind of compelling to a modern audience without having to modernize it in a sense like, say, Devilman Crybaby did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be like faithful in terms of like, adapting to the time period rather than kind of tweaking the setting to make it more in the modern day. But I do think that kind of the impact of like the message of Pluto in terms of the social commentary, that might see a little bit of uh, adaptation to kind of what is like their current cultural climate. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of all this. Um, we got a proper release date as well. Pluto will be on Netflix on October 26th of 2023. So yeah, we're uh, only a few months away. Three months away. Yep. Monster and Pluto. When will Netflix pick up Yawara? 
They should get everything Urasawa. Get the Yawara anime, licensed 20th century boy films, uh, produce more Urasawa adaptations. Honestly, I think that would be pretty cool. I, I don't have much hope for Yawara, but who knows? Anything could happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like at least 20... I could see them possibly getting 20... Like, let's say this does well or something. I mean, I, I'm definitely with Sid. I would love to see more um, Urasawa on Netflix just in one place. Because I haven't seen the 20th Century Boys movies. And, I mean, I recently finished the manga. Well, recently-ish. So I'd love to see how the adaption stacks up. Yes, and you can hear thoughts on how the 20th Century Boys adaptation stack up by subscribing to the Manga Mavericks Patreon we're at our $5 tier. We have a bonus episode all about looking at the 20th Century Boy movies and comparing it to the manga's adaptation. So there you go. Okay. Guess I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Same here. But yeah, let's uh, get into the meat here, though. The real fun. The ZOM 100 anime premiere panel. Oh, Yo. right. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, we almost didn't get into because... AX security is very... Well, they're good at their jobs in a weird way, I guess. <laughs> they're good at their jobs and not letting the correct people in, I guess. <laughs> there just wasn't very clear communication about yeah. what yeah. press has priority access to and under what conditions. Which you think after years of it being this way, they would just understand how it works. Just write up a document and just give it to these people. A lot of the staff seem to be under the assumption that you had to be working for the event or for the panelists the, or a company that is putting on the panel in order to be let in as press. Which is not how press works at all. And like, yeah, you get invited by some companies to these panels, but you're not working for the panel. You're still your own outlet that's covering the panel. Exactly. Like, you're independent. I mean, it's kind of... I wonder if, like, some of the bigger outlets had to deal with stuff like this, including bigger outlets that actually are working technically for other publishers or, or under the same companies that are pu as publishers or, or other anime entertainment. I feel like a lot of the press people after a while just kind of like went with the flow. It's like, okay, yeah, we're just going to say we're working for the panel because it's easier to just say this weird phrase that doesn't make sense than to try to explain how press actually works to some of these staff members in security that clearly were not informed correctly because there were staff members that I interacted with that didn't know what was going on and understood, okay, you're pressed. You're supposed to be covering this. We'll let you in. And I guess to cut to the chase here, like we initially tried going into the panel through the main security gate or security entrance. And they're like, Oh no, there is no press line. Then we talked to another staff member or a, I guess like someone that was an actual staff member rather than security. And we're like, hey, we're press. We're supposed to be covering this panel. They're like, oh, yeah, just go in. Like, just go through this other door that's like near the front of the panel room. 
and just enter through there. And it's like, couldn't you like have told us this at the beginning? Other security person, not the staff member. That staff member is really awesome. Thank you so much. But security person, why why did you know this? Yeah, no, that happened to me with Tony Kaku as well. Like that one, at least the the room was big enough where, because I went there and I was like, I'm pressed. And they're like, no, nah, you have to still wait in line. I mean, unfortunately, I I don't have the testicular fortitude that Freelord has. So oh, I just oh, God. <laughs> so, the, so, the argument we had at the trigger uh, main events one, which it wasn't really an argument. Where me just trying to like frustratingly explain to this guy like. This is not how <laughs> press badges work. I've, I've been going to this con since 2018, and you clearly are new at this, and you're not listening. And then we actually found the person that he got his directives from, and we explained it to them, and they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're in. Go yeah. ahead. And it's like, wow, see? We were supposed to be in here. You wasted our time. And at one point, the guy was even like, I could get this person, but I'm pretty sure she's going to say no. Yeah. We talked to her, and she said yes. So maybe you should have just listened to us in the first place. Yeah, that happened, like, more than once uh, for me, too, where I talked with someone. They said, oh, no, we can't let you in. You know, I, I can try and talk with someone else who... You know about what are the what the policy is. I'm pretty sure they'll turn you away. Like that happened to me. What was the other panel? It was maybe it was when I was trying to get into Viz. Yeah, that was when I was trying to get into Viz. That that happened to me because I came like right about when I was gonna start, and they told me, "Oh, you we don't have a." priority entrance for press after this amount of time or so you know unless you're like working the event and so i mean you are working the event technically yeah but yeah i had to kind of wait until they got confirmation that i could be let in which is like come on it, it, it's such a broken system in that they aren't checking an actual list or anything. Yeah, no. It's like, and it's like, at that point, just let all press in. There isn't that many press people are asking this. And it's literally the people that are covering the convention. Yeah. And if you don't even understand your own policy, then what's the point of having this policy? That one, the wording is very strange. Like, you shouldn't be calling it working the working for the panel you should be called covering the panel or covering the event the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it was like with Tony Kaku, yeah, I got turned away. I mean, I waited in line. Luckily, the the venue was big enough where I didn't have to, like, get turned away. And, I mean, there weren't that many people going to see it, so I ended up waiting in line regularly and yeah I go, but i mean when i got in there and i explained to like what somebody else in there that um and the funny thing is this wasn't a guard it was like an ax dude <laughs> 
So like, um, yeah, when I got in there to the Crunchyroll stage and explained that I was pressed, they were like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, we'll, we'll they even sat me wet up front. <laughs> so like, and then when I came back for Link Click, I mean, this time th there was actually like a sign saying press check in, but I didn't see it the first time. And then the second time, like I looked at the email that I got and I was like, yeah, you should just go here. But the thing is, the sign was right. I didn't see it and I'm willing to take the L on that. But, like, you would think that the AX person would have said, oh, yeah, there's a sign right there for you. You should go that way. This time I did use the sign, and, like, for Link Click, they did let me just, you know, they did let me come in as press, and they put me in the press play, um, you know, in a spot reserved for press, which is why I ended up by Zeno. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, but as V-Lord said, this is an ongoing, seems to be an issue with them, so. Yeah, I mean, AX has never been good at, like, communication about like okay how does press badges work how do industry badges work like i've heard from some people that if you have an industry badge they kind of like question you less on these things but even our friend marion that had an industry badge this year like they still had trouble getting to some panels like it's not a foolproof system and there's clearly just this lack of communication that continues to happen at the con and Honestly, they really just need to communicate it better or uh, like just get like a master list of everyone that is press and just have them say their name, check them off a list and just let them in. Yeah, no, I feel like that would be this way to go. Yeah, this is probably a discussion for another time, though, because we have another AX podcast in the future. Yeah, but Zom 100 premiere, we get in. We get our seats, and we see the amazing, the beautiful premiere itself. Which was only half the episode. Yeah, that, that was kind of like a uh, a bit of a surprise for me, too. Because I was like, okay, this is going to be the full episode. And I thought I had to, like, dip out partway through to go see Trigger. But because it was only half an episode, we got done just in time for Trigger. Yeah. I mean, the half of the episode that we got to see, though, was it was not it was good. I, I would say it was really good. It, it stuck pretty faithfully to the manga, and even though Bug Film, who animated it, I haven't really heard of them doing much else. The animation was solid. It, I even say it was really good. Yeah, now Bug is like a pretty new studio, from what I understand. I don't think they've done many other productions besides that. Yeah, I don't think so either. So I remember when the I remember when um uh it was announced that they would be doing Zom 100. I was kind of worried because I'm like, okay, this is a brand new company. I've never heard of them. I they didn't have any staff attached. Granted, once the staff was revealed, then I was a little bit less concerned because we got Kazuki Kawagoe, uh, who directed Komi, um, mm, yeah, and the Hiroshi Seiko, who's written scripts for, who's the lead writer, who's written scripts for things like Chainsaw Man, Mob Psycho, um, JJK, like so. These are, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've said it on this show before, but I've often say that the, the studio itself is just a building. It's the staff that is the most important thing, and we have a pretty decent staff on this, and it showed for throughout this first episode. I mean, even we got, I, I think they, they, they played like a message from the voice actors. I mean, the, the dub actors were there. We did, the, sh the episode was in Japanese. 
but um, the dub actors did come there, and we had a pretty good time with them as well. Yeah, yeah. no, it was like uh, it was really cool getting to hear like Zeno and everyone else kind of like talk about just the appeal of Zom One Hundred and kind of like what makes it so special. And then like um, yeah, like uh, Abby Trot was there as well, who voices Shizuka, and then Laura Post who voices Bia. So yeah, I'm really excited to like kind of see uh, the dub as well for this, just because they have like a really stellar cast. And yeah, the, the the first episode was basically what I expected. It was like consistently solid, really beautiful, just a just a good time. Oh okay. Looking in the bug film, they look like they're affiliated with OLM, so that would make sense oh, as that to why. Because I'm looking at the Japanese page, and the two things that they were affiliated with are Komi and Summertime Rendering. Yeah, they did the animation production for the second opening and second ending. Yeah, so... And then, like, a lot of their uh, key animation support has been on OLM shows like Komi and Pokemon. Yeah, so, okay, so that would make sense as why, because OLM is pretty solid as far as studio. I can't think of, I mean, Pokemon alone should tell you what you need. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there are Japanese animators who their whole... Working on Pokemon is considered an honor. In like, it has a good schedule like, nowadays. Yeah, I was <laughs> about so, to say. Yeah, not, not so much, much nowadays, but, like, in the past it had a really good schedule and... Like, yeah, and it showed, you know, you had very many animators just clamoring over themselves to work on it. Unfortunately, and I mean, COVID has hit it as hard as it's hit many other series. But yeah, getting back to Zom, I mean, it looks like they've been working with OLM Team Kojima. I mean, I could get into all that, but that we that that could be a whole nother thing on on its own so i won't but yeah the, the the animation production was pretty solid they had especially at the beginning where like the zombies were like attacking some guy and you could see like the fire the wisps of fire and everything that looks super good and like the guy running from the zombies i mean it, essentially if you've read the manga it, basically the first half basically covers right up to when you know the zombie horde attacks and Akira realizes he doesn't have to go to work anymore and he starts getting to his list together of things he wants to do before he becomes a zombie and um his voice actor Yuichiro Umeda who yeah he's been around for a little while but he hasn't really had any like main character um he hasn't been the main character before see he's, he's relatively new like yeah his first acting credit is in 2018 I, I think he does a pretty good job as Akira. Yeah, no, he definitely brought a, a lot of energy to the role. I think uh, he's a very fitting Akira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess one other thing to mention is that Takara-sensei was also at the panel as well. They did, like, a short little Q&A with him just about, like, uh, like what, uh, what kind of inspired him with certain things and, like, why he became a mangaka. So that, that was really cool. Yeah, and, you know, they asked some questions. I liked his question. Like, we, we got to see him twice. And his answer to what would you do if his be horrid came around, it was pretty consistent, which is just get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he said that his, the character he identified most with is Kensho. Kensho, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, it's funny because that's a character who's often naked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Kenshill's butt brings all the boys to the yard and all the zombies too, because it's the ultimate lure device. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's zombies funny. Zombies that- love that ass. <laughs> Zombies just want to tap that, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's funny that he compares himself to Kensho of all people. Um, well, he said it, Kensho is like the most relatable. Yeah. He's, as far as like being kind of like a normal tempered person. So he feels bad that like he kind of gets strung along by Akira. It's like enthusiastic kind of ambition. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah he did say that. Yeah, that like although he finds himself in these weird situations because Akira, like, I mean, you have Shizuka who's more, who's level-headed to a fault almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's so, like, uh, he's she's a risk analyst, basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, I mean, it balances out Akira who's just very, you know, very, uh, what's the word I want to get? He, he's, he's very optimistic and sometimes a bit foolhardy. Yeah. So she balances very... him out. But then it's also on her end. She's a bit prickly. And again, you know, she's a risk analysis. She does risk analysis. And but again, can be just pragmatic to a fault. So you have Kensho, who's kind of in the middle of them. Um, yeah. Shizuka did a SWAT analysis on the zombie apocalypse. So, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she did. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's uh, one other thing that was interesting that you know that was asked during the uh, panels is like his uh, uh, As- Aso and um, Takata's Takata's sons um, how they work together and I I found it interesting that um, one thing that maybe that isn't known about Haro Aso is that he drew I mean that he did draw a manga too and he's retired from it <laughs> like. Uh, he did come back to do an Alice in Borderland manga for around the time where the drama was coming on, and I know one of his things he says like, "I never thought I'd be drawing again." <laughs> never. Th- so it, it sounded very much like Shogaku kind of more or less roped him into doing this. So like, he's definitely um, through with drawing as much as he as much as possible. He would like to avoid drawing, and but it sounds like he does actually still draw the manuscripts for Zom One Hundred. I guess Takata comes in and kind of refines them. And yeah, they, I'm guessing he's drawing like a storyboard of like each page, and then like Takata's going through like doing the actual like detailed drawing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which I mean, we'll we'll get into later because one of the things I asked uh, Takata directly when I met him was kind of like regarding that too. Um, I want to also cover a few of the other questions that they mentioned during this panel. One was that Takata used to play the guitar. But he decided to become a mangaka after he realized that he didn't like being on stage. Hmm, ironic. And it, and it's it's funny to think about because he drew a manga called Hallelujah Overdrive, which was about kids starting a band. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Next time they should get him to play guitar on stage. <laughs> oh god! Instead of live giraffe. I mean, the yeah. premise for that even is just that the main character ends up getting broken up with or i guess he either he either has a girlfriend and she breaks up with him or he asks a girl out and she says no and so to to get over that he ends up joining a a club about a with a band to that's making a band and hmm. yeah i mean we'll get into a little bit more later but when i mentioned it to takata during the signing he was really happy that somebody had read that <laughs> so yeah <Aww>. no. <laughs> And the other things is that Takata was into horror series before starting Zom. He liked Zombieland and uh, Z Nation, which are both like 
zombie type thing of mm-hmm. films and movies. Um, and then the amazing poop scene from the hometown of the dead arc where Kensho has to jump into a well filled with poop to avoid getting eaten. Uh, Takeda drew Kensho fully nude before pixelating it. <laughs> or like he drew Kensho nude with the poop on before <laughs> pixelating it. So it exists somewhere in Takeda's files. Yeah, but he emphasized he didn't enjoy drawing it. So <laughs> it didn't look very pleasant. Yeah. So yeah. And then uh Takeda really loved illustrating the shark zombie scene at the aquarium, which I feel is uh something a lot of people got familiar with at AX because they literally had a photo op with the shark zombie at the Viz booth. Yeah, we all took pictures with it, and they gave you a lanyard if you took that picture. Yeah, I didn't get one, though, but... Um, Lump. Well, you did get one. Not not from them, but... but I mean, yeah, yeah I was about to yeah. say, Lum gracefully gave well, I appreciate that, but yeah, no, I didn't get one from the booth. Mm. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really nice panel. The first half of episode one looked solid. I'm excited to properly watch the entire thing when it comes out on... Hulu, Netflix, and Crunchyroll, which yes, I, that's yes. like quite a spread for all these companies that are competitors. Yeah, it's not an exclusive to any one service. That feels like uh, it's becoming a rarity these days. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, originally it was just announced for Hulu and Netflix, but then at the show they announced Crunchyroll will be getting it as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, curious how that works out. I mean, I, I do wonder if Viz is kind of pushing more accessibility on all platforms. Um, though it seems like that's not the case with Undead Unluck because Disney and Hulu seem to have exclusive rights for that in the U.S. But yeah, maybe there's something we don't know yet. So who knows? Well, I mean, at the Undead Unluck panel, they said it is going to be a Hulu exclusive. So hmm, yeah, mm. so it feels like it's all Disney. Set in stone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the other... Uh, Zom-related event that happened at AX was the at the Viz panel where Kotaro Takara did a live drawing. That live drawing was of Akira himself, which is kind of just a close-up of Akira's face colored in. And honestly, it was like really cool just getting to see the master at work. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if you, if you've ever read Zom 100, the level of detail that Takara puts into his drawings is. Honestly, insane. I don't know how he does it, even on a monthly schedule, but he does. Live drawing panels are always so impressive. They start, uh, of course, with a rough sketch already having been figured out, but just the speed of how Takara was able to ink that drawing and finish it, that was just impressive because he was not the only guest. He did not take up the full hour. He did that in like 10 minutes. It was 10, 15 minutes. He did that very quickly. So it was just really, really impressive and mesmerizing to see just how fast his drawing was but how, and how skillful. While answering questions, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he went through a few different questions here. Um, some of them were kind of like repeats of what we had learned at the previous panel. Like, he talked again about how like his collaboration process worked with Aso Sensei, um, and then like um, how he like relates to Kensho the most among the main cast. 
But then, like, one other thing you mentioned was that, like, drawing zombies is actually pretty complex for him. Um, especially when you have to draw, like, a uh, zombie horde. Those are, like, particularly difficult. Yeah, any artist is going to tell you crowd scenes are the worst to draw. Yeah, and I guess, like, in his case, too, there isn't a lot of uniformity in, like, his zombie designs. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's one chapter way later in the manga um, where, like, Akira is trapped in, like, a kind of call box type thing. And it's just an entire, like, city filled with zombies surrounding him. And, like, they all look varied in design. They aren't, like, just blending together in your eyes. So I can't imagine, like, how long it would take to even draw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah, and so after uh, Takta was done drawing uh, the shikishi of uh, Akira that he was doing, uh, Viz decided to give it away through a quiz. And so I lined up as the Zom Superfan that yeah, I you were the was. first in line. You were sitting right by the mic. Yeah, I and was. at first you were like kind of hesitating to go up, and I was like, "You were, you're right there. You're right there." Yeah. So I, I went up and I completely choked on the question. Yeah, and we were talking with the guy who was second in line to you about like you know how big Zom fan you were. Like, the fact you had, like, caught up recently, and I was like, yo, this guy is one of the biggest Zom fans out there. You know, he's he's diehard. And then what happens is that Orion asks, okay, what is the name of Akira's boss that he hates? And it's like, oh, we just watched the live-action movie. We should know this. But we don't. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the boss's name is mentioned, like... Yeah, because he usually just calls him boss. Yeah, and, like, most of the times with these panels, like, they usually ask, like, they say, oh, it's going to be a really difficult question, and it's like, what color is the main character's shirt? Yeah. (laughs) But so this one came out of left field, but it actually was kind of a difficult one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and no one could answer the question. No one knew it. So after, like, four people around, it's like, okay, we'll do an easier question. And it was such a softball easy question. Where does the zombie shark live? Well, (laughs) why would you guess? It either can be, like, even if you haven't seen Zombie 100, you'd either guess the ocean or the aquarium. Yeah. yeah There's see, not many options. See, yeah, that was the kind of question that you'd expect from a con giveaway, but yeah. See, if I got that, I would have killed it. I would have been cherishing <laughs> that drawing. Mm-hmm. But nah, unfortunately, I I, I failed my, my Zom fandom. I have to give away my Zom card. Well, now you'll never forget the name of Akira's boss. Yeah, so freaking, what is it? It's Kosugi. Okay. <laughs> I, I think like his title is Deputy Chief, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it is. I wonder was I wonder if Ryan was referring to Kosugi or like his boss like the his boss who was like sleeping with uh Otori. Um, Otori, yeah. The the Girl, he had a crush on. I feel like it has to be Kosugi, though, because, like, he's actually... Yeah, it's Kosugi. The, o- the only one... He's the only character from his office that appears again. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's kind of establishes, like, his authoritarian figure. Yeah, I'm looking through the chapter again. I don't think the president of his company even has a name other than he's the president, so... Or CEO. So, yeah, it was probably Kosugi. Yeah, I, I found the bubble where they actually mentioned Kosuke's name. Our department chief, Kosuke, changes with the weather. 
I don't think they ever mention his name as Koski ever again. Well, they do. I think they do when he comes back. Yeah. There's a baseball thing called the Kosugi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Like in the series, according to Jack O.S. <laughs> but does, does it have anything to do with Kosugi, the character, or is it just. No, I mean, like, hold on. Let me. I don't know if he just back in this. He lives, survives a pandemic and lives in the highway service area. The grass baseball. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's his return arc later. Oh, okay. Yeah, that well, that arc's fun. Hmm. He gets his comeuffins. Okay, good, excellent. But uh, yeah, so I I didn't win. So in my despair, I had to leave without a Takeda drawing. But luckily, the the day before, we had actually learned about a autograph signing where we don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. to get the autograph ticket. Yeah, yeah we was... learned about it during the Wiz panel. Yeah, so during the Wiz panel, they mentioned that Takeda Sensei was going to be doing signings at the Barnes & Noble at the Grove uh, Shopping Complex Center area. And I was like, wait, why didn't I hear about this before? Yeah, that was the first we heard about this. Yeah, so I, I quickly Googled Barnes & Noble, the Grove, Takeda, and I found this Eventbrite link to it. I was like, okay, this seems legit. I'm just going to buy a ticket for me and Sakaki. Then I told uh, Lum and Marion to buy tickets as well, and we're just like, okay, we're all going. Yeah. We all got in, and, like, yeah, it was... I mean, we, we, arriving there, we got there a little early, but, like, yeah, it was... There were actually quite a few people there. I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, it wasn't, though, as busy as I thought it could get. Oh, yeah, no. Like, it definitely wasn't, like, even a hundred people. Oh, yeah, no. It was, uh... So, like, it was definitely not as long as, like, I've seen these things be. And I think that's because, like, yeah, probably a lot of people just didn't know about it. I I do wonder if they intentionally didn't promote it to prevent, like, a safety hazard yeah. in the building. Yeah, because, it you know, that Barnes & Nobles it took place in, it is not, like... It's a big Barnes & Nobles, but, like, the floor that they were holding the signing on... It, the space wasn't that big for a mm. big line. And I don't think they wanted to have to line people like at the bottom of like the the, es- the stairs, escalators, you know, it would have been kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. no. I mean, I also kind of just wonder a little bit. I mean, like, I'm not saying that Zom isn't popular, but like the anime hasn't air- started airing yet. And Viz, while Viz has been pushing it, definitely. I, I just wonder if, like, it just, the once the anime airs, if it'll get bigger, and then maybe that would have warranted, like, you know, just people saying, whoa, because, you know, obviously, Takata's previous works haven't been, you know, licensed here, and same thing for Aso. So, like, although, yeah, Viz has been trying their best to make Zama a big thing, I, I would have to wonder how big a thing it actually is. Yeah, I feel yeah, like it's, I- it's gotten a lot of attention in the manga community, but the manga community is a smaller niche among the greater anime community. Yeah. So, like, I, I do wonder how many hardcore Zom fans there really are. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't know anyone else that's even caught up with the manga besides me, to be honest. 
I mean, I, I'm going to try to. I've, after watching the movie with you guys, which obviously we'll talk about another time, and watching the first half of the anime, I, I'm interested in I mean, plus, I translated Hide and Closer, so I kind of owe it to Aso, I feel like, so yeah. Um, yeah. To, 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 to check it out. But yeah, I mean, we went there, we got there, we were pretty, we were like kind of close to the front, but I feel like even if we had gotten there late, we probably wouldn't have had to wait longer. Yeah, like I was, uh, I think, fifth or sixth in line. Yeah, you were the first, and then we, Mary and um, Lum and I were. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like it, it was a pretty like uh, relaxed signing. I mean, at first, like they were like, okay, we're, we're, we can't do pictures with Takada, but then they learned last minute that, okay, they, they can do pictures with Takada, but the uh, the staff would take the picture for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everyone was required to be masked, of course, to uh, just keep safe, stay healthy. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, and and just like at the uh, panels at Anime Expo, the interpreter for Takada at the signing event was Jungo Goda, um, who was like the translator for all the volumes of Mao and Call of the Night. I'd, I'd seen her face before, like, on our website and, like, uh, kind of the previous videos uh, since she had interpreted for, like, Inagaki back in, like, 2019 and Anime NYC. So when I, w- I went up so when I went up for my uh, turn for the signing, I immediately asked, like, oh, hey, are you Junko Goda? <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, yes. I, I can't believe someone recognized me. Because, like, I guess, like, a lot of people don't usually ask translators or talk about, like, are able to recognize translators because, like, yeah, usually, usually the the person behind the the machine of the book. Yeah, they don't usually pictures. Of, I mean, I know she follows me, so I've seen her picture on Twitter back when she was using Twitter, so I recognized her. But yeah, yeah, we're mutuals as well. I should have uh, struck up a convo with her more specifically, but in the moment, uh, I think that it moved too fast for me to really kind of get that out there. Unfortunately. Yeah, but it was really cool to meet her. Yeah, I basically just told her I'm a big fan of like her translations. We're friends with Ace Chrisman, the letterer that she works with. Um, so yeah, she she was really happy to kind of see someone's enjoying the translations and all the hard work that she's put in. Uh, but yeah, I also uh, got to say a few questions and comments to Takara Sensei when I was up there. I got to ask. The uh, or I guess I, it was I got to say the comment that I'd been wanting to say all weekend to him about how I really loved the bioweapon monsters from volume 13 of Zom, where Zom, where the uh, Zom crew kind of goes to the Umbria laboratories, which totally do not sound like the Umbrella laboratories. Uh, don't sue us, Capcom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like uh. He he was uh he was very happy to hear that, and he said that he and uh, also had kind of gone back and forth on designs for the bioweapon monsters, and that when I mentioned like uh, that they reminded me of Resident Evil, he was like, oh yeah, also is like a huge gamer. He plays like Splatoon all the time, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember hearing that uh, also Sensei plays Splatoon a lot with his daughter, and like yeah yeah, also is a huge gamer. Yeah, because that's that's ninety five percent of his tweets now. It's just platoon screenshots and videos. So he's using his free time uh, with not drawing very well. 
Yeah, I mean, he's still writing. He just finished another series, right? Uh, know You Girl. Yeah, Know You Girl. It's getting out there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was, uh, it was really cool getting to uh, interact with uh, a goat of the ongoing shoggy manga space. Mm-hmm. Hmm, yeah. Sakaki, how how was your interaction with Takeda Sensei? So, I mean, V-Lord kept pushing me to mention Halloween Overdrive, and I really didn't want to, but I ended up doing so. Um, I mentioned him Why and Why didn't also, you want to? I'm shy. We've been oh. through this. <laughs> Were you just going to go up there and say nothing and then leave? No, I was going to say something. I just wasn't going to mention other series. I'm just whatever <laughs> um <laughs> i did mention hide and closer and um highly overdrive and i mean he was really really touched that somebody read that one he was just like oh wow it's rare i don't think anybody's i it's rare that i hear somebody mention highly overdrive and you know he was also like hide and closer is good too and i was just like and i kind of just said to him that you know yeah i love shogakukan stuff a uh, series and i talk about and translate them and he was just like I mean, he had a bit of a joke. He kind of, he had a joke at my expense because that day I was wearing a Hunter Hunter t-shirt. So, um, yeah, he was like, you like Shogaku Khan, but you're wearing Hunter Hunter. That's interesting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was wearing, Con-. and ironically, I wore a Detective Conan shirt the day before that. And he was like, oh. But yeah, and then like, I mean, I was like, yeah, I love Shogakukan work and everything like that. And then Junko was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, over here is an editor from Shogakukan. And I said, you know, I said, oh, well, I love your work. Thank you. And he, and he said in English, thank you. <laughs> so um, luckily the staff had, and I, I got to hand it to the staff at Barnes Nobles. They were very, I mean, very um, professional because like I asked one of the, co- the lady after I got out of the line, then we were all like, oh, well, we should find out what his name is. And so I asked, you know, I asked one of the people who worked in Barn Noble, and she was very nice and went and go and went to go find out. It was Yamamoto, but I unfortunately, I if I like like Lum, I wish I had more mo- time in the moment to ask what department he was in, so like I could find out. I mean, I tried looking up GX, and there's no there's no head editor named G at GX with that name, but I do remember translating an interview with um. Ichihara where he has like he's the head editor and he established it where he had kind of like subordinates so there's a chance he might have just been working for sh- the weekly Shonen Sunday like editor department I mean unfortunately there's one thing I would love to research is just how the Shukakukan editorial departments are broken up mm, so because yeah. mm. unfortunately the wikis only have like the head editor names they don't have like the subordinate editors so, um, th- yeah, it would be really difficult for me to find out where exactly he works. But it was nice to be able to just kind of say, you know, talk to them and tell them about WSSTV. And they seemed to be, you know, the editors seemed to be pretty impressed that we were doing stuff like that. Now, if only he could convince his buddies at Shonen Sunday to unblock us on Twitter. <laughs> Especially <laughs> but, when so many editors already follow you. Yeah, quite a few of them follow me or are aware of me. And, like, I mean, the Manga One editor had follows us and has even retweeted our stuff and quote tweeted us a couple of times. Though I feel like that might just be because he thinks that we're like show, like affiliated with the Japanese thing but I mean because like there was definitely one or two times where people thought that and then when they realized that they weren't they kind of disassociated themselves with us <laughs> but um 
like i mean which i understand yeah we do use like i did i do use like the logo from one of the shonen sunday pages as our like avatar so i can understand the confusion but um yeah but yeah the time with takata was great and i'm really happy i'm like i, I was surprised at how like taken aback and just happy he was that somebody has heard of hallelujah overdrive i need to buy that series properly one day i have like the first two volumes but i didn't finish it. i think it's like six another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hmm. You know, hopefully Zom is so successful that it gets licensed too. Yeah, that would be great, mm -hmm. especially since Viz is not not a stranger to going back to the backlog. Tatsuya Endo being Tatsuya Endo and um, Fu, uh, Fujimoto being two examples of it. Going into every single like work with Endo at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So hopefully, Hollow. I mean, with it being completed and being rather short, maybe Hallelujah Overdrive could come over. Ah, uh, we'd be saying glory, Hallelujah, if that happened. Mm hmm. Lum, do you have any fun memories from meeting Takata Sensei? Well, I wore my Lum Squad shirt, so naturally, and I also asked to have my username signed, so naturally, uh, that drew a lot of attention. Just the fact that I was a big Rukodakashi fan, so uh, there was some joking about that, and I just told him that I really loved all the, the panels, and I was so impressed by the live drawing and stuff like that. So you know, it's a uh, pretty pretty normal i again it kind of felt like it was i fat too fast for me to get out everything i would have liked to say but it was a fun interaction i think uh one snafu that happened is my phone ran out of power when i was about to get my picture taken so i had to go get your phone and kind of get my photo a little bit later so that was a little bit awkward or, but like it, it ended up okay so i think the sun glare kind of made like the photo kind of look a little too bright i don't know or maybe it's just an issue with like my phone settings now like the sun was definitely like pretty like uh it's like the sun was pretty bright when we were doing the signing because even my photo like the lights like kind of going down on me kind of like a holy light which um it it doesn't like warp the picture too much but definitely kind of like uh darkens it like or creates a bigger shadow around the room yeah i think one thing uh that i want to kind of go back to now that i remember it is that besides the viz panels takada and akaza were also a part of that netflix panel that talked about pluto and stuff and there were some interesting things that happened there specifically. Mainly Takata read out loud a letter from Aso. And I kind of explored like, okay, the idea to do a zombie series came from a conversation with his editor while reflecting that zombie series are usually very sad. So he wanted to go in the opposite direction with a positive protagonist who sees like a world for zombies as, you know, freeing, better than his day job at least. 
and uh, they kind of talked about like the message and why it resonates, you know, and that's something that uh, like we heard, like pretty much everyone who is working with Zom kind of really believe in is that life is too short to do everything you want to do. So you should go out and do everything you want to do. Check off everything on your bucket list before you turn into zombies. And uh, another fun anecdote is that Eiji Akasa said that he always dreamed of being chased by zombies, so his dream has come true in playing Akira in the film. And yes, and also like during that panel, Asa really complimented the actors' performances, especially Akasa as uh, Akira. Akasa said that he really wanted to convey positive energy in the movie, translating in manga to anime to live action. And I uh, warned the audience that after watching the movie, you might want to quit your job. So yeah, I just wanted to circle back because I got reminded like, oh yeah, they were also part of the Netflix panel too. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, I mean like, honestly, it was just really cool getting to meet Takeda Sensei and just like be able to get like a really cool Shikishi signed by him. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, in the process of getting a stand for it because I ran out of autograph stands. Yeah. My I, autograph collection is growing too powerful. You had to get a stand for that and for the special drawing you won at Bucci U. Yeah, at Bucci U's uh, Faku Q&A panel. I mean, that, yeah, that, that was really cool. I got two autographs this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think all the stuff with Zom this weekend was really just the biggest highlight of AX for me. And, uh, it's kind of good vibes to really think that, hey, we have a Shoggy property that's come this far. It's getting this much attention on it. And I, I'm really excited to see how big Zom 100 is going to get. Yeah, I can't wait to see. Like, I'm, I'm hoping this anime will, you know, get the masses moving more a little faster than Zombie. At least a little faster than regular Zombies. Maybe we could get One Piece Zombie speed. <laughs> but um, uh-huh. uh, um, yeah, I'm hoping this will get everybody watching the anime, the live action movie coming out when August. Yep, August. August. Yeah, live action movie coming out in August. I I hope this will start a you know zombie revolution of sorts. I mean, I guess we're kind of late for Zombolution. that. Zombolution. Huh? Zombolution. Yes, zombie. I I still like that. <laughs> you were you were really good on that. You should feel good about that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, zombie. I mean, the the main you know the main thing being, and we'll probably touch about this more in our review. But like the main thing being that I just really like the Zomb One Hundred take something about zombies and makes it kind of positive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and I hope that that resonates with fans and. I mean, I've already seen reports that this is only going to be a core, which isn't surprising. But hey, maybe we'll get a second one if it does well. Yeah, and I think even what they could cover in one core, there's a lot of amazing stories in that early material of Zom that I think would be great to see animated. So honestly, I'm just really excited to see what we get here. If more happens, I'll be more than happy to enjoy that too. Yeah, they have to at least get to like B, right? I don't know if they can get to... Like the arc where he goes home, but yeah, and Bia would be volume four, yeah, I think volume three, one of those. Well, it's, I mean, they've already it's cast after the arc where they run into his boss again at the aquarium, yes, yeah. that's correct. So it has to be like volume four, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they already cast her. Yeah. Clearly. She's... So, I mean, just for the people who are Zom familiar, what do you think that the the ending point will be for the anime if they're only going to do one core and that's it? Hmm. That's a good question. Honestly, I feel like it has to be Hometown of the Dead. Because if not, they, the story before Bia shows up is Treehouse of the Dead, which is like a prelude to Hometown of the Dead. Okay. And the one before that is Hot Springs of the Dead, which is just a random gag story. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, hopefully it'll get that far. That's a lot to cover, though, because that arc where at home... Isn't that up to, like, volume six or seven? It's end of, uh, or it's, like, halfway through volume six. So, so they'd have to adapt five and a half volumes. Hmm. Okay, that might be doable. I mean, Zom isn't the most, like, dense manga out there. So, like, I think it's possible. Yeah. I guess, in a sense, we did see, like, I think we saw most of the first chapter get adapted in, like, just that half of an episode we watched, so. Pacing-wise, it did feel it was going fairly, you know, quick, so. Or at least compared to the movie, it was interesting to go from that to the first an- episode of the anime and be like, oh, the the pacing is really different in terms of what they are spending time on. Yeah, and That yeah. was interesting. We'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah, but yeah. So hopefully that that was kind of the wrap up in in terms of Shogaku con related things at this um at this at AX. Like, I mean, I'm hoping next year we'll see even more. I mean, if I can go, that is. Yeah, I mean, if the what if one of the creators of Freerun goes, then you'll have to go. I, yeah. I'll have to figure out something. I mean, I'll still be living here more than likely, so <laughs> yeah, no, literally I'll... all you have to figure out is a plane flight. Yeah, I just have to figure out my time. Like, I, I know for sure I'm going to have to have one family-related, like, um, travel. Uh, tra- I'm going to have family-related travel plans. So it's just a question of when that'll be in relation to, hmm. um, which we've already, it's been confirmed as 2024, for, uh, the 4th through the 7th. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So. It ended on the 4th this year, it's going to begin on the 4th next year. Yeah, which I mean is like not too weird because that would be Thursday to Sunday again. Mm-hmm. We're back in balance instead of this weird Saturday, Saturday to Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, ugh, that's. <laughs> I mean, that says I feel like next day is gonna be a lot busier because it's gonna be Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it was already busy, but yeah, it was noticeably less so on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday especially, I think, like, at that point, like, the, you know, staff at Ulta kind of not really, have, have been so much more lax about, like, letting people in, because, you know, I I didn't get any questions about getting into any panels on Tuesday. It was like, oh, you're here for this? Go right in. Like, I came in, you know, pretty late to the Anime's Latin American panel, but, like, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, you can go in. I mean, that was essentially the last panel. They probably were just, like, mentally checked out by then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's get this over with. But, yeah, no, nah, I mean, overall, pretty decent AX for us. I think we, we kind of have a unique, I guess not a unique perspective, but a 
narrow perspective because we we're all press and we don't have to deal with the three hour entry lines. Yeah, I mean we had it pretty good, all things considered, because general attendees. I mean, you know, on the first day, like very quickly, like the fire department said, oh, like there there's too many people here. It's a fire hazard, and they wouldn't let more people into the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of events that were not very well managed, like the One Piece dub premiere of episode yeah. 1000. But I feel like we should probably get into that in our proper anime expo discussion that's going to happen over on the Manga Mavericks podcast. Yeah, I mean, if you thought we had a lot to talk about here that was just Shaggy related, you can only imagine everything else we got up to that we have to talk about. That we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm afraid for how long that recording is going to be. <laughs> there are always very long recordings because we always do so much. And of course, this year we all did very separate things too. So there's going to be a lot to cover. That's for sure. But until then, let's get out of here. So, Sakaki, where can people find you? Um, You can find me at Kirobon, K-I-R-O-B-O-N on Twitter. Um... Yeah, that's my normal Twitter. Not much going on there, honestly. But the real fun is at WSS Talkback, at WSS Talkback on Twitter, where we talk about the entire Shonen Sunday magazine from cover to cover. Um, uh, Yeah, and we're like one of the few Twitters that do that. Uh, We also have WSS Talkback at blogspot.com, where we talk about where we translate interviews with artists, um review manga the most recent thing on there i think is a is a one shot thing i don't remember but like yeah we we do all kinds of things involving shogaku khan and shun sunday um if you and as i always pitch if you're interested in writing for us it doesn't have to necessarily be about shun sunday manga that's running right now in that magazine I mean, hell, if you want to write about um, ZOM 100, we would love to have you come in and talk about things that interest you. But yeah, we always want guest writers, so please, by all means, come and help, come write for us. Uh, I also do a podcast with our good friend Colton at Another DB Pod, and it's Another Day, Another Adventure, and it's Dragon Ball. If it's animated and Goku's in it, most likely we're going to watch it at some point. Um... Besides that, I write for Tsunami Faithful sometimes, and I don't know, does Vueler want me to bring up the podcast network, or are you going to do it? I can do it. I'm not going to make you suffer like this. (laughs) (laughs) It's not suffering, but okay, sure. Uh, All right, uh, then there's that, and yeah, that's generally where you can find me. Awesome. And Lum, where can people find you? You can find me at Lumrumiasha everywhere on the internet. Whether it be on Twitter, forever long Twitter still is around, and places like Animation Revelation and Letterboxd and Annie List, wherever there's a Lumber Rash, you can find me there by that name. You can also check out my stuff over on Manga Mavericks. We cover manga as both a medium and as an industry. We have a lot of review coverage on our site and podcast. We do interviews. We do con coverage. 
And yeah, we have a lot coming your way, including, as mentioned, a full AX 2023 panel report, uh, con report. And we're going to have con reports for San Diego Comic-Con and Otacon 2. So it's going to be a big summer for us in terms of con going and con reporting. So look forward to all that there. And you can follow Manga Mavericks also on Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks. You can find our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/MangaMavericks, And we are everywhere you can find podcasts. So whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your podcaster choice is, you can go check us out on there. You can also check out my other podcast, Lum Squad, where we cover the wonderful and wacky world of Rukunakashi's classic sci-fi comedy series. And we are having a great time going through the manga as released in full by Viz, the new anime that is currently available on High Dive and the classic series of movies brought to us by Discotech. So it's been a great time to be a Yurisigatsu fan, a great time to be a Rengotahashi fan. We've had a lot to talk about and a lot to come your way. We've been on a little bit of a break for a while, but we're planning to get back with more stuff for you soon because there's been a lot going on, a lot to talk about, what we're excited about and excited to share with you. So look forward to more Lum Squad episodes at Lum underscore squad on Twitter. And you can search for our channel in the YouTube search bar. And also on every podcast, catch your choice. We get Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And we also cross post episodes of the Long Words feed and upload episodes early, oftentimes much early on the Long Words Patreon, which, by the way, definitely go and support us on there if you like the work we do. And also want to get access to exclusive bonus podcasts as well that we put up on there. Like the aforementioned uh, comparisons we did for the 20th Century Boy movies to the manga. So look uh, into that. And uh, yeah, we'd really appreciate your support. But uh, also, if you like the art that I make, the animation illustrations that I draw... You and the thumbnails I create for our podcasts, you can find that stuff on my Instagram at SidArtWorks. Awesome. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at VLORDGTZ, and I write various things for MangaMavericks.com as well as ShinamiFaithor.com, so you can check out my writing over there. But as far as podcasts are concerned, I do a lot of them. The Demon Slayer podcast is kind of our flagship over at D Slayer Podcast. But then there's also the Dumb Weebs podcast at Dumb Weebs Pod and Overstone Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod. So check out those. But as far as Saturday Night Shoggy is concerned, you can find that on Twitter at Sat Night Shoggy. And yeah, we also have a email as well, which is Saturday Night Shoggy at gmail.com. So if you have any questions for us, you can send them over to that email and we might answer them on the podcast. 
But yeah, just go look up our content on any podcast platform out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're there. So yeah, just pick an episode, listen to it, write us a rating or review if you feel like it. And yeah, just enjoy the content. But that does it for this episode. So we will see you guys later. Good night. Sambanara. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>